Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 83. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship in the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Melanie Hargis. I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey there, Miss Melanie Marie. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. <laughs> I um, seems like it's been a while since we've recorded. It's really only been what about a week, yeah, a or, week two? or two, maybe two, and, which uh, is a little too long. Yeah, a little bit too long. We had some family stuff and some other things going on. Just kind of mm-hmm. a typical thing that uh, kind of gets in the way sometimes. Your everyday type of stuff. But nonetheless, we're happy to be back. Absolutely. And um, of course, we're going to be kind of finishing an episode that we've been working on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And for any of you guys that know me, I'm nothing beyond the basics. I really like to emphasize the basics. And that's been, as we've kind of restarted, you know, right over stride, I guess you could say, um, these last several episodes have been really a recap on what I think are the important issues, which are the basics. And we started off this whole series with understanding really the whole concept of... Um, the path of least resistance. The, yeah, the path of least resistance. So in other words, we really wanted everybody to understand that pretty much that's my philosophy of horse training in general is helping the horses seek out what really comes natural to them, which is to seek out that path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And of course, with that, we also incorporate the concept of forward motion, the control of forward motion, and of course, lastly, the stopping mm-hmm. of forward motion. Well, we did split that other one up because the control of forward motion is a little complex. I mean, you've got speed yeah, and direction. Because, yeah, because, yeah, you're right. We had for control of forward motion is the speed control as well as a directional control. Mm-hmm. And then today we're going to get on to, it seems like the thing that most people are most concerned about is, and that's stopping forward motion. And, um, and, at least it's just in my program, it's the absolute last thing I'm, I'm concerned about. Um, for those of you who don't know, I do a tremendous amount of cult starting. And over the years, that was been kind of my forte. I started a lot of fraternity babies, both um, reining and cutting horse fraternity babies for different trainers and different people. And then over the years, we started getting invited to go to places, you know, the cult starting challenges, I guess you could say. Uh, the biggest, of course, which was Road of the Horse. We did that in 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. And then it seemed like it kind of blew up the cult starting thing even more. And with that, people always ask, you know, where are my priorities when it comes to the cult starting? And it really is truly what we discuss the most, which is, you know, the path of least resistance, the forward motion, control of forward motion, and stopping of forward motion. Those are the absolute basic criteria and my top priorities. Mm-hmm. But of those, the last one we mentioned, of course, was the stopping of forward motion. Well, ultimately, that's what every horse wants to do. Yeah, except for everybody's panicked about it, and they don't want the horse mm-hmm. to move, right? But the problem is, how can you get a good stop, and how can you get everything else if the horse is not moving? Right. So that's why, in my humble opinion, that the stopping of forward motion is is as important as big stops are. Let's I mean, let's think about that. You know, your reiners and your cutters have got to have huge stops. Um, so do I think stopping is paramount and it's very important? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's just my, not on my priority list. And, and reality is I can't get a good stop unless I've got good forward motion. Right. 
So I don't want to discount the stopping. It's not like it doesn't matter at all. And it's not like it's not a priority. It's just that in order to achieve a good stop, we first really have to get that really good free forward motion. And I can't emphasize that enough. But I also understand people's worry and panic about a horse that gets out of control. And they think the first thing got to do is stop it. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I think stopping is important, but it's not nearly as important, in my opinion, as that forward motion. Mm -hmm. But anyway, with all that said, let's get on with the stopping of forward motion. Um, First of all, I want folks to realize that I ask this question a lot. Why is your horse going? Anyone that approaches me saying that they want a better stop on their horse um, or they tell me stuff like, oh, you've heard it, Melanie, on the road. You'll hear people say things like, oh, you just don't know my horse. He just loves to go. I just can't get him to woe. And, uh, of course, my smart aleck response usually is, oh, so like right now he's probably just at home running all by himself? Absolutely. Yeah. So because after all, he does love to run, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But people do kind of sometimes get that concept in their mind and that idea in their mind that their horses love to go because their horses are forward movers or just they want to move out. But if you look at horses, that's why it doesn't make sense to me because I just understand horses in general. And uh, I'm going to explain this to you guys that horses have this great big giant body but a little bitty fuel tank. In other words, their stomach, when you consider the size of a horse, is incredibly small, which is exactly why they and a lot of other prey animals are are grazers Grazers. they're Mm -hmm. constantly refueling their fuel system they're constantly keeping energy coming in why so that whenever they do see an obstacle in life that really worries them concerns them they feel the need to escape it they've got to have that fuel reserve in their system so that they can escape it right but any other time they want to conserve that energy so the concept then of a horse that just loves to go doesn't jive with mother nature they're naturally lazy. Yes. They've got this naturally lazy, efficient mm-hmm. side I to shouldn't them. say lazy. Lazy's kind of got a, a bad connotation to yeah. it. So. But luckily that works to our advantage because we know then that they would much rather stand around and do nothing mm-hmm. if they were given a choice. So if that's the case, then why don't they? <gasps> Anxiety. You see, a lot of times <laughs> it's because they don't know what to do and they feel pressured in some way and they want to seek the path of least resistance, which is usually to escape the source of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And sadly, as much as our horses love us at feeding time, oftentimes we are the source of their anxiety. Most of the time. Yeah. So if that's the case, then you can't really blame them for wanting to go. Right. The problem is we're going with them. We're in the saddle. Which increases the anxiety usually sometimes it can increase Mm -hmm. the anxiety and then the sad thing about that is is that then we see the escalation taking place Mm -hmm. and we think that the horse wants to go so what do we do we pull on them Mm -hmm. we pull on their face to try to get them to slow down or try to get them to stop and after a while the horse begins to ignore the bit Mm -hmm. or the pulling and they want to go more which scares us more so we start asking questions about how do I get a bigger bid, or what kind of bid do I use to stop my horse, or how do I get a bit to slow my horse down? Well, then it come back to two because people in general, when they're afraid or they have anxiety, they pull in. Yeah, that's the natural reaction. Right, our natural reaction is to stop, take a deep breath, and you know regroup and mm-hmm. 
you know, reestablish ourselves as a calm, cool type of person that we want to be. And then we want to move forward. But if you're mm-hmm. on a horse that won't let you do that, then it becomes kind of panic time. It kind right. of creates that anxiety within us, mm-hmm. which in turn fuels the anxiety of the horse. Right. So let's just first and foremost, let's, let's, we have to understand horses for what they are. You know, it says plain as day on our, on our website that I train from the horse's perspective. And that is so true. I study horses a lot, not just when we're training them, but I just study them and watch and observe them. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me how many of them want to just stand around and do nothing or they want to do everything very quietly, very efficiently. So why is it then when we get involved, say sometimes they want to go, they're just trying to escape. So that's what go, That's where that the first part of our understanding the basics is so important, working on that forward motion and the question that I ask people all the time is, why is your horse going forward? And again, I don't really care if you're on the ground or you're in the saddle. The question is, why is he going forward? I know the answer. Okay, what's the answer? Because you're making him. We're making him or we're encouraging him. Right. Well, in other yeah. words, if we develop a working relationship, we're not really making him doing it, do it, but we are... Being suggested. We are the catalyst behind it. In other mm-hmm. words, when we move, they move. And we, we talked about that in those first episodes. That Creating we want a rhythm. To, right. We create the rhythm, but we want to establish that that working relationship, meaning that mm-hmm. if he goes too hard and he's going too fast, faster than what we're walking or what we're moving in the round pen, then the horse is working too hard. In other mm-hmm. words, he's moving into more resistance by working too hard. Mm-hmm. If he goes too slow, he moves into us. And as a result, he's you know, not in the path of least resistance. So over time, they find that neutral zone, that path of least resistance to where they're only working as hard as we're working. Mm-hmm. Now let's take that into the saddle. The same thing applies in the saddle. So in the saddle, I ask the same students, why is your horse moving? Because they've created a rhythm. They've created this target, I guess you could say, for the horse to seek out, to find that path of least resistance, mm-hmm. that working relationship. Once our horse is walking, trotting, or cantering without us having to hold it back, but at the same time, without us having to kick in the belly to make it go all the darn time, now the horse, we can ask that question again, says, well, why is your horse going? He's working with me. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. So let's put that to the test. And here we go, folks. This is going to be step one of the three steps to stopping. Mm-hmm. First, let's understand why the horse is going. Why is the horse going? He, we've established a rhythm, and we're holding the, account, the horse accountable to our rhythm. Okay, so now we've established that working relationship. So why is he going? Because of that working relationship. And here's the test. Number one, three steps of stopping is stop Stop making making him him go. go. In other words, quit working with him. Just melt in the saddle, right? Just melt. And when you quit riding him and you quit making him go, what should the horse do? The horse should stop. He should stop. Mm Mm-hmm. If, in fact, he's working with us and we're no longer pressing on the gas pedal, so to speak, to get him to go. Should at least start coming back to you. He should be quite happy to come back and just chill out. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, dude, if you're not going to make me go, I'm going to whoa. Okay. So our first step to getting our horses to stop is, number one, quit making them go. Just quit riding them. Just melt. No longer be the source behind the energy. Mm -hmm. No longer be the catalyst behind that. And then once we get that part done, we're going to say the magic word, Whoa. which is step number two, right? <laughs> step number two to the three steps of stopping are say the magic word. Whoa. Now, here's a funny little experiment I do sometimes at our clinics is I'll get everybody walking around the arena 
and I'll ask them to practice saying the word woe. And as long as they're walking, they usually say the word woe like this. Whoa. Mm -hmm. And I'm impressed. That's good. I'm easy to please. But then a while later, I'll have everybody trot. Mm -hmm. And while they're trotting their horses, I'll eventually get them to practice saying the word whoa. Mm -hmm. And usually at a trot, they say the word whoa, something like whoa. Mm -hmm. And I'm impressed to a degree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little while later, though, we'll get them cantering and everybody's cantering their horses. And then I'll get them to eventually practice the word whoa. And from a canter, they say whoa a little bit more like whoa. So isn't that weird that at a walk, we say whoa, whoa, at a trot, whoa, whoa, at a canter. And those are all different words to the horse. Not different words. Well, I mean, it, it but is. But a though. lot of different energy behind it. Right. I mean, the horse Because we have know. to realize that our emotions and our tones are connected to our hands. Mm -hmm. Therefore, when we get abrupt in our tone... That abruptness travels through our body, through those reins, and to that bit. And when that horse hears us say, whoa, in this different tone, this different loudness, this different assertiveness, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. then he knows he's going to get hit in the mouth harder. When whoa simply just means whoa, quiet, easy, and that's something we can all practice mm -hmm. all the time at a walk, trot in a canter, just rehearse it in your mind that whenever you do say the word whoa, Say the word very quietly and exhale all the way when you say it. And there's mm -hmm. a reason for that. We'll talk about that later. So when we say the word whoa, which is step number two to our three steps of stopping, is whoa. Now here's step number three. Step number three is we don't pull, we don't jerk, we don't do anything with our hands other than we just support. Mm -hmm. In other words, I, I really use the word support because people do get in the habit of pulling too aggressively or too assertively with that bit. Mm -hmm. And if they do so kind of in a surprise fashion, in other words, they do it aggressively or pretty harshly with their hands or even just quickly, then the horse begins to associate the stopping of both you riding and stopping by saying the magic word with being hit in, in the, the mouth. Face. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine that being too pleasant for the horse. It wouldn't be very pleasant for me if everybody, if somebody said a word and then that word was followed by me getting hurt. After a while, when I heard that word, I'd begin to think defense, take right. care of myself, protect yourself against that. So what we've got to realize is we want to support those first two things that we did. That's the purpose of the bridle. That's the purpose of the reins. That's the purpose of the bit in this scenario is not to make the horse stop with it. It's to support those first two things that we did. Right. Number one, we support by number, you know, first thing we're going to do is quit making him go. Mm -hmm. Secondly, say the word whoa quietly and assertively, but say it, whoa, steadily mm -hmm. until you're out of air. And then lastly, you support with the reins. Mm -hmm. So very simply, the three steps of stopping are number one, quit making him go. Number two, say whoa. Number three, you support, support. with your reins or support with your hands. Now, it's easy to say and it's easy to practice that in your mind but I'm always amazed when we have people in our clinics or students come out to the ranch and if you'll watch them ride and I'll just say, okay, get ready and stop your horse. Mm -hmm. And inevitably they do the bit first. Pull. The first thing they, they do is it's, pull. Now, the analogy I might use in a vehicle is you're going to press the brake before you let off the gas. And that's not good for the horse. It makes for an abrupt stop, if mm -hmm. any stop at all, because eventually either the brake pedal or the gas pedal right. is going to wear out. Same thing yeah, on your car. It's never good to 
to do both at right. the same time. So what we have to learn to do, same thing with a car, if you're pressing the gas to get your horse to go, you're pressing the gas to get your car to go, then the first thing you should do when you get ready to stop or slow down is take, take your, your foot, foot off, off the gas. gas. Which so again, let's down. ask yourself why your horse is going. You're pressing the gas. You've got a rhythm. You've established this forward motion mm -hmm. in your body. And your horse is working with you to match your rhythm. Right. Again, if he goes too fast, he's working too hard. If he goes too slow, you're going to squeeze him. So that mm -hmm. working relationship is when he matches your rhythm. Right. In other words, your foot very quietly being pressed on the gas pedal if you're in a vehicle. And then when you get ready to slow down or stop, you simply take your foot off that gas pedal. Mm -hmm. And if need be, you use that second word, which again is whoa. And then mm -hmm. the next thing, of course, is you support. support. You actually apply the brake. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about the brake for just a moment. When we do practice step number three, and we actually pick up with our hands and we support, once contact is made, and that's very important for us to realize, is that once contact is made, your hands should move very slowly from whatever position you've got them. I mean, if you've already got light contact, then you're just going to add a tad bit more contact with your hands. If you're riding with a loose rein, like what I do frequently, I'm going to take the slack out of those reins very carefully until I know that I'm in contact with that bit. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, that's my third step. So now, very quickly, this horse is running out of time to stop his feet. Right. So once I make contact and that horse continues to go, I continue to draw on those reins. Mm -hmm. Not hard, not fast, not harsh, just steady. Mm -hmm. And I'll pull for as hard as it takes and as long as it takes until this horse finally stops his feet. Mm -hmm. And the moment that he stops, you let him go. I'm going to immediately release him and I'm going to rub him like he just won the world championship. Right. Now, I've been quoted as saying sometimes in my clinics that... I don't want people to think that I babysit the horses, but at the same time, I'm never unfair with them. But if I pull and this horse gets to be a little bit resistant, and here's the joke, I will pull until I, if I have to, I'll pull and wrap their nose through their front legs and shove it up their butt. I mean, of course, that's impossible, but that's what I tell people. In other words, I'm committed to pull or do whatever it takes to get this horse to finally stop his feet. Right. But here's the reality, though, is I don't get upset by that. I don't get worried by that. I don't get scared by that because I'm already, I've got faith in the outcome. I know he's going to stop his feet eventually. Right. And then the very moment that he does, we have to understand how horses learn. They learn from the release of the pressure. Had nothing to do with the bit being applied. Had nothing to do with you stop riding. Had nothing to do with the magic word. What it has to do is with the very moment that horse stops his feet, if we want him to get good at doing that, we have to reward him at that stop. Right. So now, every, all this ties together. So I'm going to ask, what are those four questions of successful horsemanship? Number one, what do you want? Well, in this case, we want the horse to stop. Right. right? So we're going to go through those three steps of stopping to achieve the stop. Right. And then we're going to ask ourselves, though, is what I want fair? In other words, can the horse stop? Sure he can. Absolutely. So is that an unfair and unreasonable request for us to get our horse to stop? Not Absol at all. Absolutely not. So step number three, would can we communicate that in a way that the horse can understand? Mm -hmm. Sure, we're going to practice all three of those. Number one, we're going to quit making him go. Say we're going to say word. the magic word. And then we're going to support with our hands. Mm -hmm. And then that support with our hands is because it's the final step. 
we will make that as firm as necessary until the horse mm -hmm. eventually stops his feet. But then we also have to understand how horses learn. Mm -hmm. So the very second that he stops his feet, we're going to release that pressure. And in our minds, we're going to do step number four, is what you want measurable. So let's just say you ask your horse to stop and he took five extra steps. Mm -hmm. Not a big deal. Just make a mental note of that. It was, wow, I really had to pull on that bit to get this sucker to stop. Mm -hmm. I mean, he took five extra steps, Miss Melanie. I think at a walk, I think he could probably stop in one step. By golly, he ought to be able to stop in midair yeah. with one foot and then come back to me, right? Mm -hmm. So on a scale of 1 to 10, that might be pretty lousy in my book. That might be on a scale of 1 to 10, that might be down there around a 2. Right. I think this horse can stop a lot better than that, especially at a walk. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go through that same process again. What do we want? A better stop. So we're going to go through that same process all over again, asking our horse to stop. And this time, we're going to go through all those processes, and we're measuring again at the end of it. And let's just say he stops in four and a half steps. Well, that's an improvement. Woohoo! Rub him like he just won the world championship because he made an improvement. Mm -hmm. And we just keep doing that. And the more consistent we are with doing that, and the more we practice it, and the quicker we are to release when the horse really stops his feet, then as a result, the horse will get better and better and better at doing it. Mm -hmm. Before you know it, though, the horse will begin to wean you off of ever supporting with your hands. Right. And I'm sure we've all seen those pictures, right? Those pictures in the magazines or those pictures on TV of a rainer or a cutter with unbelievably loose reins. Mm -hmm. And they're stopping, just drop dead gorgeous. They're dropping that butt in the dirt. And they're kind of doing what we call plowing the ground with those back feet. They're just, whoa, just sliding into a really great stop. And they're doing it on a loose rein. Well, how are they doing that? Mm -hmm. because they no longer need the bit to stop them. They believe the rider when the rider says, whoa. quit making you go, and they say the word whoa, mm -hmm. the horse believes them that step number three is coming. Right. And a well good horse now. will outrun that step number three. Mm -hmm. He'll say, you know what, I'm going to train you not to pull on me. I'm going to stop gonna, early. Yeah, I'm going to stop when you say that word whoa. Mm -hmm. And then the really good ones, like even sometimes even our babies, we just mm -hmm. had a little baby the other day. He's probably got five rides, mm -hmm. and he's already stopping before the reins or mm -hmm. before he ever hears the word whoa. He Very stops good. just the minute we quit riding him. So that tells me that that consistency and that persistence as well really resonates with those horses. They pick up on that, and mm -hmm. they're good about training people. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? I'm going to train old Van not to even say that word whoa. I'm going to train old Van not to even touch me in the, in the face. I'm going to mm -hmm. train him not to support with my hands or with his hands. So that's what we're really shooting for with our horses. Now, some people are asking, you know, Van, my horse stops pretty good, but how can I get him to stop even better? Mm -hmm. Well, number one, um, after my horses stop, and sometimes when I really get these horses kind of thinking about those first three steps, mm -hmm. I'm going to change the order just a little bit. And the order I might do on a horse, let's say a performance horse or performance horse prospect, what I'm going to do with that performance horse prospect is um, I'm not going to say the word whoa. I'm going to quit riding, and I'm gradually going to take the slack out of the reins until I have some pressure on that bit, and I'll start pulling on him until he actually stops. Okay. And then after he stops, I'm going to release him so that he knows he must have done something good. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to freak him out because I'm going to actually say the word whoa. Oh. And when I say whoa now, I'm going to ask him to whoa, and I'm going to back, back him, him up. up. Okay. And I'm going to repeat it. Whoa, and then back him up. 
woe and back him up. After a while, Miss Melanie, what do you think woe means to this horse? Back up. Yep. So now I'm going to do this for several days, Mm -hmm. several weeks maybe, even even a few months. And then one day I'm going to be, say, long trotting the horse or loping the horse nice and quiet, and I'm going to quit riding him. Say whoa. And I'm going to say whoa, and guess what's on this horse's mind? i got to back up. And what's he got to do before he backs up? He's got to stop. So that's how we get a more committed and a bigger, better stop Mm -hmm. is that once the horse picks up on those steps number three, we're going to come up, Mm -hmm. we're going to come untrained, and we're going to kind of switch the word whoa until after the fact so that whoa now means back up to him. Okay, but typically... You you do that just with performance horses, not because I don't. You don't want to say to people say that, and then people say, "Well, you know, he said better stops you. You do it in this order, and then people aren't. They think, well, why would I want regular stops if I can do better stops? <laughs> well, because um, most people don't need a sliding stop, do they? Most people no. don't need a horse to really drop his butt and plow the ground. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not appropriate to do so. I wouldn't want a horse to do that out in the pasture, right? He might mm-hmm. fall down, slip down. I wouldn't want him to do it in an inappropriate. Uh, situation and if we're not really balanced at riding horses that stop really big we probably wouldn't want to ask because we might just go flying over the top of their head and hug their neck right so for those folks who are really looking for bigger better stops for performance horse reasons Mm -hmm. then that's where i might change that up just a little bit Mm -hmm. okay now another thing i might do we used to do this a lot on what we called our non-pro or our novice horses so now let's kind of we're going to kind of migrate a little bit into the show horse world um, a lot of times, let's face it, our, and I don't mean this disrespectfully at all, but sometimes our novice riders don't ride as good as the open riders. You know, they're not making a living riding horses, obviously. Right. So sometimes they don't necessarily have the rhythm down as well. Their hands might not be as soft or as rhythmic. Um, so we train our horses to stop with those same three steps, mm-hmm. but we work for those steps totally individually. And this is what I mean by that. We'll train our horses sometimes where I'm still riding it, and as I'm kind of riding and getting the rhythm with my horse, I don't quit riding him. I just pick up on the bridle and just and literally pull him into a stop. So the first thing the horse feels is never a jerk or a hit with the bit by any stretch of imagination, but the first thing he feels is the bit coming tight. Mm-hmm. And then I literally want to stop him off just bit pressure alone. And again, the minute that he stops, I'm going to rub him like he just won the world championship and praise him for doing really good. So basically, we're training him to stop just off a bit pressure. And then a little while later, we'll also train him to stop only when he hears the word whoa. So we'll be riding him around, and we'll still be riding him, and but I won't pick up the bit, and I'll say whoa, and if he doesn't stop, and then I'll pick up on him and ask you to get him to stop on the bit then. Okay. So then the horse learns that if he stops on whoa, he never feels the bit. And then later we'll work on another horse or to work on another situation to where we will just stop him. We'll, we, won't say the, we won't say the word woe at all. We'll just quit riding him and see if he'll stop then. If he does, great. If he doesn't, then we'll pick up on the reins and support him, but we won't say the word woe. So we mix it up a little bit on horses that are get a little bit more advanced or horses that I'm training for novice riders. Wow, on earth would we do that? Wouldn't that be kind of confusing to a horse? Yeah. Not really. If we do everything systematically and we teach them the first three steps from the very Mm get-go, number one, quit making him ride, number two, or quit making him go, number two, say the word whoa, and number three, support with your hands. Mm -hmm. 
Once they understand that really good, now we'll start mixing it up a little bit. Now okay. we'll start practicing other ways. And why, again, would we do that? We do that because sometimes our novice riders, our amateur riders, or just our beginner riders in general, sometimes get those steps mixed up. Right. So we don't want the horse to get so programmed in having all Only three steps perfect okay. that if somebody gets it mixed up, the horse is still going to quietly and safely stop. stop. Okay. But again, I want to emphasize that the mix-up part of that after. is after the fact. Right. I really want to get that rock-solid foundation of the horse understanding to stop simply because we quit making him go, mm -hmm. and then we uttered the word woe, and then we support with our hands. Mm -hmm. And that literally starts in the round pen long before we ever ride him. Right. We start that in the groundwork aspect of it where we stop the forward motion just or getting the horse to really buy into... The reason that he's moving in the first place is because he's keeping rhythm with us. Right. And I can't emphasize to people how important that groundwork is in that mm -hmm. regard because it really pays off huge dividends later when we're in the saddle and the horse already kind of understands that. In fact, the only thing that should really change is where you're communicating. So in the beginning, yes, you're doing everything on the ground. And then later, you're just taking that communication and moving it to the saddle. So um, anyway, I kind of hope that kind of helps everybody understanding. I had one question though. Yeah, you yeah, had yeah. said before um, the exhaling when you say. Oh, well. good, good. That's a good thing. Um, a lot of times people get a little bit too abrupt in getting from one thing to the next. In other words, mm -hmm. they quit making their horse go, and we do that. But what I tell people, just melt in the saddle. In other words, you want to be in the upright, kind of in the riding position, and we've got this rhythm going on with our body and our horse. Therefore, when we ride, I want people literally just to melt in the saddle and get really still. Right. Lower your center of gravity and get really still in the saddle. No movement whatsoever. And then when you get ready to say the word, whoa, I want you to lower your center of gravity even more. So do it with me, Miss Melanie. I want you mm -hmm. to say, whoa, and say it for as long as you can and literally blow all the air out of your diaphragm as you do it. Ready? Okay. Whoa. whoa. And keep pushing. Whoa. Keep pushing. And what happens is you notice as you do that, you feel you your abdominal feel muscles squishing on your diaphragm. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is to, like you're folding Still in relax. half, you're getting lower and lower and lower. What that does for you in the saddle is it lowers your center of gravity. Your horse will feel that. Mm -hmm. Another good thing it trains us to do is say it lower and, or longer and slower, and which gives your horse more time to think and respond and process information. Okay. Why is that important? Well, let's just say I'm going to ask a little kid. Let's say a four-year-old. Little Johnny, what's one plus two? And we all know the answer is three, but little Johnny may take a little while to think about that. Right. You see, little Johnny might have to actually visualize one finger plus two fingers is three fingers. Mm -hmm. One apple plus two apples is one, two, three apples. In other words, mm -hmm. he's having to think about that because he's just learning it, isn't he? Right. A horse oftentimes needs some time to process your question as well. Mm -hmm. So when he feels you quit riding, oftentimes you'll see his ears come back like, hey, what'd you do What's up there? What's going on? And he's thinking about you or his ears wouldn't have come back. Mm -hmm. So he's thinking about the question, like, hey, what did you do? What, what did you say? What was the question? Mm -hmm. And now you can reassert the question by saying, whoa. whoa. And as you're saying whoa and you're saying it slowly and for a longer period of time, you're giving this horse that opportunity to feel your center of gravity getting lower. Mm -hmm. 
in other words, that in other words a lack of energy. Mm-hmm. And because you're saying the question really slow, you're giving little Johnny a chance to process the information. You might mm-hmm. be giving him a chance to count his fingers. Right. But after a reasonable amount of time, <laughs> and that's another tough, folk, uh, tough thing for folks to grasp. So when do I pull on the reins? After a reasonable amount of time. Which is very relative. Yep. In the beginning on a young cult, it may take me a while to melt in the saddle, say the word, whoa, nice and quiet, and then start taking the slack out of those reins. Mm -hmm. And then once I make contact with the bit or the bozel, the side pull, whatever people are riding it with, once you make contact with that, then the next thing is you just keep applying that pressure until your horse again, until eventually stops. Mm -hmm. And then when he does, how does he learn? Release of pressure. Through the release of the pressure. Mm-hmm. So with, by doing that, this horse gets that time to process, and then he gets the cue to, to stop from the pressure of the bit or the pressure of the headgear, mm-hmm. and then eventually he comes to a complete stop. And when he does, we rub him like he won the world championship, and hopefully over time he gathers that release and that positive reinforcement with just wanting to seek that out and do it better. Okay. Okay. So does that answer that question a little bit about why we yes. say whoa slowly Absolutely. and for as long as we can say it? Yes. Um, I want to reemphasize, too, the fact that stopping is the thing that, that uh, people want the most, at least they think they do. Mm-hmm. But the reality is is that there's more bad things happen when a horse is freaking out standing still mm-hmm. than when he's moving his feet. Right. And we all want our horses to have nice, good, quiet, responsive stops but in order to achieve those, and actually to help motivate those, we have to work and master the forward, forward motion, motion and the control of forward motion. And here's another thing that people don't really think about. Let's say, and it's very relative to doing stops. If I'm doing a nice, quiet, say a jog trot circle to the left, and then I'm going to change directions to the right. So we're trotting in rhythm to the left. And now we're going to stop going to the left, and we're immediately going to go to the right. We never stopped our rhythm, but believe it or not, in that transition from left circle to right circle, we worked on a stop, and yet the horse never stopped his feet because we stopped doing one thing and we He's started doing another. another. Okay. So believe it or not, folks, by working on forward motion in those transitions from one direction to the next, you are working on stops because you're stopping the horse from doing one thing and now you're allowing him to do another. So I can't emphasize enough how important good forward motion is to having a great stop. Hmm. <laughs> well, I think that rounds out the whole uh, ABCs. Yeah, I think I think it um, I think it kind of nails all those on the head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really want to emphasize. Um, and you've seen this, Melanie. For goodness sakes, it's um, you know whenever we do a clinic, it's kind of crazy. We don't do them very often, but once in a blue moon, somebody will talk me into doing what I jokingly refer to as an advanced clinic. And um, it could be an advanced <laughs> clinic. We might do something on cattle or people might want to work on flying lead changes. They might work on, you know, bigger stops. In other words, what people assume are more advanced, uh, advanced maneuvers. Mm-hmm. And you've witnessed it enough times. So what do we end up working on the most when we're working on the quote unquote advanced stuff? Basics. Yep. Because in order to achieve a flying lead change, we've got to master basic stuff. Mm-hmm. In order to work on a great stop, we've got to master the basic stuff. In order mm-hmm. to improve our spins, 
we work on the basic stuff. So all of those really complex maneuvers that some people regard as complex, they're really nothing more than just an extension of the basics. So you master the basics and all those things that seem so elusive to you will be very much in within your reach. Mm-hmm. So I've got to emphasize, understand the path of least resistance, understand forward motion, understand the control of forward motion, directional control as well as speed control, and understand when you've mastered those that the three steps of stopping will sure enough help you have a beautiful, masterful stop. And um, I really wish that for everyone, that they can uh, achieve the basics and get all those really more advanced maneuvers Mm -hmm. by doing so. Well, you're talking about clinics, so I do want to put that out there that um, anybody who thinks they would like to come to a clinic or have a clinic at their facility or a facility that they know, feel free to send us uh, an email to info at vanhargis.com. We would love to come do a basic or an advanced clinic (laughs) in your area, Um, whatever you would like. Um, Always keep an eye on our website. Any clinics that are upcoming possibly in your area, will be listed. Feel free to uh, sign up, be a rider, be an auditor. Kind of exciting because things are kind of getting back in the swing of things now. You know, the COVID thing has really played a key role. uh, I go back and forth on Facebook and Facebook Messenger sometimes with some other trainer friends. And, and, um, you know, we love to teach. We love to do the clinics. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how many of us have, you know, for one reason or the other, either rescheduled some clinics or in some cases canceled Mm -hmm. them all together. And, and, you know, this year for us, at least so far in the spring, every one of our horse expos canceled. I know. And um, so it's really exciting for us to kind of get back out and, and start knowing mm-hmm. that we've got the freedom to start uh, scheduling clinics again. So if you guys would like a clinic in your area, don't hesitate in the least to mm-hmm. call us and we'll figure out some way to make it happen mm-hmm. for you. Um, and don't be afraid. People oftentimes call and they want to say, are you doing a clinic in the Northeast? Are you doing a clinic in Florida? Are you doing a clinic in Colorado? And our response is, of course we can. We don't have anything. We may not have anything scheduled, but mm-hmm. we certainly can. All we need to host a clinic is a venue. Mm-hmm. So if you have a venue at your property that can accommodate up to ten riders, I and don't get me wrong, we've done clinics a lot larger than that. I personally like to keep the clinics really small. Right. You know, I, I ten I, riders is usually pretty good. Yeah, I I personally like around ten. I love dealing with a, a fewer people and getting more done, mm-hmm. and being a little bit more personal with everybody if at all possible. Um, it, it ends up being more intimate and more fun for me personally, and it's also very rewarding to see a fewer number have big successes. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you get people. a little bit more attention for each individual. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you've got too many, you know the the amount that I can do with each individual gets reduced greatly. Right. And I love seeing people go away with lots of ride time, lots of personal time, mm-hmm. lots of relationship building time. And uh, we can do that better with our smaller mm-hmm. clinics. And, and again, we don't necessarily discourage the larger ones, but boy, I, I sure mm-hmm. prefer, you know, about that 10 range is mm-hmm. about what's fun for me. So if, if you've got an arena or a facility that can accommodate up to 10 riders, um, then please, by all means, contact us. Let us know how we can come to your area and, uh, and do a clinic at your facility or facility near mm-hmm. you. And also, for those of you who prefer more uh, one-on-one, we are always open for uh, visitors in, uh, here at the ranch in South Texas. 
um, we can uh, have, well, well, we have RV hookups. We have a dormitory available. So anybody uh, who wants to, you know, have a little mini vacation, you, a friend, uh, you know, just send me an email. We'll definitely be able to get something set up. You bet. And don't forget the Top Hand Club, Miss Melanie. Top Hand Club. Uh, just uh, go to our website, sign up. Uh, we've well, tell got everybody videos. what it is for those who might be new to the podcast. Well, it's um, videos available, um, all kinds of, and there's loads of videos on there. Um, tips, hints, some of them are videos of vans at, like, if you, you know, wanted to go to the Iowa Horse Fair and couldn't make it, you know, we record it while we're there. So um, anything that you think there's a search uh like a search library, you can look up stuff, see what you can find. All the videos are available. Also, you've got plenty of discounts Yes. for everything and anything. I mean, we've had people sign up to be a top pan member just because they wanted to buy one of my saddles. Well, it's and it's worth a it. huge discount. I mean, it's a 10, you know, a 10% discount, right? Um, 10% on everything. Yeah, 10% on everything. And, you know, if you think about it on a saddle, that's a few that's, hundred bucks. Yeah, that's a couple yeah. hundred. So it's it's worth your... Yeah. $10 monthly membership yeah. to save 200 on a saddle. Yep. Um, also, make sure you guys are checking in to our YouTube, Van Hargis Horsemanship, the Ride Every Stride podcast. Um, make sure you are clicking, liking, ringing the bell. There's so many little things that you have to do on these. these <laughs> each one's different. I'm not sure, but... Definitely subscribe. Yeah. yeah. Subscribe yeah. and ring the bell. I'm not sure what ring the bell means. I think it's it gives you notifications, lets you know when um, new podcasts are available. Um, and also, if you don't do YouTube, the podcast is available on any, almost anything you can find. Stitcher, it's on iTunes, it's on our website. Almost any podcast platform you can find, you'll find yeah. the Ride Every Stride podcast. We try to be there. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't think of anything else at the moment. Can you? Well, we need that? to say some thank yous, of course, and always. Uh, full of pep. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because um, Full of Pep, for those of you who are in the South Texas area, you already know Full of Pep is an extremely well-known name down here in South Texas. But they are our feed provider here at the Crossroads Ranch. Um, but, you know, every time I go to the feed store, I, I love just hanging out with them. I know. You know, it, it takes, you know, it should take me, oh, an hour round trip. But it's it what almost, it takes me. It almost always <laughs> takes me at least an hour and a half because I'll, mm-hmm. I'll hang out and I'll visit with everybody for about 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. and so if you guys ever get a chance to go by the store there, go by the store that Philippep and Quero, mm-hmm. or they also have another location in San Antonio. But the really cool thing, too, I'm going to say this about Philippep is they've got, they do a tremendous amount of, of, uh, Nutrition research. It's mm-hmm. not just a local feed store that's just blending and making their own feed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've really got their own little kitchen. I mean, they oh, go yeah. in there and they research stuff and they they buy these spec- special packets for uh, better digestion, better di- uh, better digestibility. Um, their vitamins and mineral packets go into that feed. And um, as a lot of you know, I was with a major brand for years and years. I don't want to mention the name, but... I was with a major brand for years and years, and um, in fact, I'll, I will say this: it's the second most widely known logo in the world. 
That'll give you a big hint. <laughs> but um, And I love the feed. I love their people. But, you know, I also like to do business locally. And mm-hmm. we had the opportunity to meet Greg Gossett and all the folks at Full of Pep. Um, it was a huge, great experience for me. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, they talked us into trying their feed. And, of course, we said, yeah, we'll, we'll try it. We'll see what it's like. And we put it on a trial basis for a while. And amazingly, every one of our horses didn't just get by. They all bloomed. They all looked mm-hmm. really good. And because they're local, the, the competitiveness on the prices far exceeded those major brands. Right. So to me, I'm, I'm real big on performance. I don't care if it's people, horses, or the feed that I use. I want to see performance. And to me, the performance was is when the horses did as good or better on that local feed mm-hmm. from, from Full of Pep as they did on those big name brands. And uh, so the performance was there. The horses did well. And besides that, they just look great. There's not a horse right. on our place right now that didn't look this awesome. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I can't say enough for those guys and how, how blessed we are to have them in our back door and uh, for them to provide the feed for us and, and give us an opportunity to push and promote this stuff mm-hmm. for those guys as well. And, and besides that, they're just super darn good people. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice people. Yeah. Well, I know we've, and we've got a bunch that we uh, like to thank, um, Rainsman, Arena Works, I, um, Equiscience, but I also wanted to mention Ranger Gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, uh, for people to just kind of keep looking out, that Ranger Gate is another local uh, company that uh, we will be doing some co-branding with. And what Melly means by co-branding is that they – they're really committing themselves to improving their equine products. Mm-hmm. Um, here in South Texas, they've been huge in the cattle business for years and years. They're very, very well respected all throughout the South uh, in the cattle industry. And believe it or not, even in the oil field, I mean, mm-hmm. they sell a lot of gates and things like that to the oil field folks. But they also realize that South Texas and areas outside of this region have a big demand for good quality horse equipment. And so we teamed up with those guys a while back to help design some of their panels, help redesign some of their gates. Um, we're going to be working on a stall line and making some really good, safe, and incredibly efficient stalls. And with stall feeders that I think all you guys are going to really like, um, they also have a product called a bale saver, which is this actual, it's a round bell feeder for cattle. Mm-hmm. And we're helping them learn to modify that where you can feed horses out of it safely without rubbing their manes off, without them having to eat hay that they've stepped on or that they pooped on or whatever. So it elevates the hay off the ground. It keeps the horses from stepping on it, pulling it out and wasting it. And the cool thing is that it's crazy. They've got the science on their website to where, I want to say after just a certain number of bales, I'd, I'd hate to misquote it, but after just a certain number of bales, the bale saver actually pays for itself. Because of the amount of savings. I mean, they named it the Mm -hmm. right thing. It's called a bale saver because it reduces the amount of waste tremendously. And as soon as I saw that and saw how good it was working with the cattle, I thought, you know, that's got to work for the horses. So all we're going to do is we're going to elevate it a little bit because horses are obviously Mm -hmm. taller taller than most cows. So we're going to elevate it just a little bit and make sure that that top rail on there doesn't rub the horse's manes. And we're probably going to put a little roof type thing over the top of it so that the hay stays fresher longer for you as well. So it's all about... Um, Ranger Gate's all about making the better quality products for your horses. Mm-hmm. And, of course, my part is to help them design it for the horse industry and to make sure that it's safe because we're kind of their guinea pig 
on these things before <laughs> anything goes out we try it here mm -hmm. to make sure that it works for our horses mm -hmm. and um and we tweak it until we make sure that it's just about as good as we can make it. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited about being able to work with those. And we're co-branding it, meaning that uh, Ranger Gates' name is going to be on the equine line, but so is Van the Van Hargis Horsemanship logo will be on there as well. And we hope that means to you that it, it's been tried and true, pressured, tested, so to speak. I mean, right. we, we are the guinea pig if it, if it uh if it makes it to the market, it's because we tested it for you, mm -hmm. and we believe in it, and we think it'd be good and safe for you and your horses. Mm -hmm. but, but anyway, Miss Melanie, I think um, I think that kind of covers it. I think um, so. For now, and and you know, as always, I really appreciate you guys joining us because if it wasn't for you and if it wasn't for your encouragement, we might have kind of dropped the ball on the on the podcast. Uh, and and who knows, we may not have ever started redoing it. But through the words of encouragement and through all the things that you guys recommended and suggested. We decided to come back at it and come back at it at a vengeance and bring it back to you. And we've even kind of stepped it up a little bit by making it available on YouTube as well. And uh, so without you guys, we, we couldn't do it. We really appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends. Um, let's try to make this thing grow even bigger than what it was uh, before. And um, really excited to have you guys join us. And just remember, until next time, it's your trail. It's your ride. It's your journey. So ride every stride.